up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, the lead NFL Draft Guy at BR, and joining me every Wednesday morning from New York City is BR's Connor Rogers. Connor, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Super Bowl week. Here we are. Matt, I know you are out there ready to rock. We have a fun show today because we have to do a quick little Senior Bowl MVP recap. We're going to reveal our top 25 players, each of us, each of our top 25 players. I'm going to talk to Todd Gurley for a while, thanks to DraftKings, so that's going to be a lot of fun to have Gurley on the show. And of course, we're going to close things out answering your draft on draft questions. I'm a little jealous that you get to hang out with Ty Gurley and it's two degrees here, but you know. Yeah, it's. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty sweet. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's all right. And, and Super Bowl week for me just means running around being interviewed. So it's nice to actually just, you know, sit back and control the conversation instead of being asked what I think about Baker Mayfield 50 times a day. Oh, well, let's yes. talk Senior Bowl MVPs. Um, we are going to kind of roll through this quickly today because I'm, I'm sitting in a radio studio thanks to the, the awesome people at, at Minnesota Public Radio. And I, I feel so official and professional that this might be the first show I don't curse on. We'll see if I get worked up about anything, but senior bowl MVPs mine. And I'm going to say it again, man, the player I was so wrong about was James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma state. I I said it on, we did live shows every day last week and I made fun of this guy uh, headed down on Monday to Mello and Dan, uh, the guys who do the Friday show with me. And it's like, I had a, I just don't think he's any good. I I think I even called him fat (laughs) and uh, (laughs) he made me eat my entire leg, not just my foot last week because he was, Quick, strong in his route running, just dominated every day. And I know he didn't have like a huge game, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. So James Washington is my guy that not only made himself the most money, but I would call the MVP of the game. Yeah, no, he went out and dominated. It seemed like he caught almost everything in practice, and his route running was a lot better than I expected. I am with you on that. I feel like I was very wrong about him. I projected him as a third-round player coming into the week, and I came away much more impressed than that grade that I had on him. You know, for me, there's a couple guys, but we talked about it a lot last week. We could sit here and talk about Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Will Hernandez, but... The guy that surprised me the most was actually Taekwon Lewis out of Ohio State because I think when you look at him, uh, he didn't get the same love as the rest of the Ohio State guys did, and he came down to Mobile, and it seemed like he never lost a rep. So you're looking for a defensive end that could make things happen on the outside, that can get after the quarterback, that can stop the run. He went down and did everything you could ask for and more, and I think now his name is on the radar when surprisingly, as an Ohio State player, it it wasn't – He wasn't getting the love he deserved. No, you're absolutely right. And you ripped off some good names there. Uh, Obviously, I was a little giddy during the second half of the game because it was, you know, you become identified with players, right? I mean, I do, you do, we all do, um, where ultimately people like put it on you if a guy succeeds or fails. So it was actually really like a relief for me to see Josh Allen play well and to come out in the second half and just dominate and just ripping off passes and showing touch. It was kind of like, okay, you could breathe a little bit easier for at least a day. You don't have the, all that haters telling you that the guy sucks and that you're wrong and that you're stupid or that you're being paid by his agent and all those things. Uh, So I did see one person say that I'm only, I only like Josh Allen because we're both with CAA. So I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's just ridiculous. I, I don't I, listen. I mean, you don't want to be wrong, right? So I don't think that should ever be even a consideration. You're going to say how you feel. You've also been on the player 
well before he could even <laughs> think about signing with anyone. Yeah. I mean, this is a player you talked about back in the spring, almost a year ago, it feels like now. Yeah, it was. It was a year ago because it was right before the, the declaration deadline. So let's talk about the top guys in this draft. Like you said, we're into our top 25. Maybe we, we list five players and then and then pull one to talk about and then, and we'll try to, to move along quickly. Uh, we should also post these like in a, an Instagram or something so people can see it. I know I suck at like if I hear things. I'm a I'm a visual learner, not an not an audio learner. So uh, I'll give you my top five, and I imagine we're going to be very similar on these. My number one, Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State. Number two, Minka Fitzpatrick, the DB from Alabama. Number three, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Number four, Bradley Chubb, pass rusher from NC State. And at number five, I got quarterback Sam Darnold from USC. Uh, I'll talk about Saquon. I think he is a generational prospect, and I know people get mad when we say that term because they say, "Oh, you got a generational prospect every year." I'm I'm going to put my what do we what do we say last week? I'm going to put my nuts on the nuts table on the with table. this one. Yeah, <laughs> I on my grading scale, the best grade you can give a player is nine and that's the grade I've given Saquon Barkley. So that's it's up there with Andrew Luck and Von Miller. It's the only two people I've ever given that grade to, and it. It could come down a little bit, um, but I've had that grade up there since about October, so I don't know if it's going to change a whole lot. Yeah, I like it. We're pretty similar. I think the only guy that we really differ on is Darnold, but when you look at my top five, Saquon Barkley's my top player in this class. I think he's going to come into the league and, and really run wild from the start, and that could always depend on situation, but even in a bad situation, this guy can make things happen. Number two, Quentin Nelson. Number three, Bradley Chubb. Number four, Roquan Smith. Number five, Minka Fitzpatrick. I think two things here. One, Quentin Nelson at number two overall. This guy does not lose a rep. He can change the dynamic of your offensive line right away, even from the interior, and I think that's super impressive. The other thing being Roquan Smith. This guy is going to get the undersized label, but the way he can fly around and make plays, if nobody can catch you before you get to the ball carrier, it doesn't matter how big you are. This guy is an absolute dynamite playmaker. A little similar to Patrick Willis. I know that's a big statement, Ooh. but I love this dude. I compared him to Ryan Shazier, and, and people are going to call him undersized, but we've we've seen it work. Okay, my next five. At number six, I have Josh Rosen, quarterback UCLA. Number seven, Josh Allen, quarterback from Wyoming. So if you're paying attention, I cheated here. I have quarterback at five, six, seven. And I, I do this. I group players together when I can't decide. And you'll see it in a second. I've done it with some linebackers. I, I do it with some corners later on. It's just that's... If I'm trying to figure out who's who, I just put them all together and say, like, they're in this tier, and by April, I will separate them out and figure it out. But right now, they're all grouped together. So uh, then number eight, I've got Denzel Ward, the corner from Ohio State. Number nine, that's where I have Roquan Smith. And number 10, Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. Like I said, that's I group Roquan and Tremaine Edmonds together because I'm not sure yet who I like. They're completely different players. You know, Tremaine Edmonds is 19, and he's 6'5", 250. Roquan's 6'1", and I, I think he'll probably be about 230, so they are very different guys. There's a lot of love out there for Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's a great athlete. He can play off the edge. He can play standing up as an off-ball linebacker. I've had 49ers fans ask, hey, man, could we, you know, if we draft him, can he play next to Reuben Foster? And the answer is yes, he can play anywhere. I, I know our buddy Daniel Jeremiah said he thought he was, you know, kind of like an Anthony Barr type player. I've heard other people say he's like Leonard Floyd when he was coming out of Georgia. It's just a raw player with exceptional size and athleticism that you can move around the board and, and I, I've seen people have him in the top five. I've seen people have him in the second round. And as soon as he declared, uh, and the school told me all fall he wasn't going to declare, and then he did. As soon as he did, I, I jumped in and started watching the tape, and the guy's amazing. Yeah, spoiler alert here. Edmonds will not be in my top 25, and it's not because of the player. I simply just, I only have one game of his coach's film. 
I've been able to watch two other games of the broadcast. I didn't think this guy was going to declare. And I think when all said and done, I think he'll crack my top 25. I think he's going to test off the charts at the Combine. But right now, I'm just not ready to say that yet because I think the player, it is a surprise. He's young. He's raw. But I'm very curious to see how it all shakes out. But my next five, Josh Rosen, number six, best quarterback in the class. I I know the personality issues are a concern for some, but in terms of talent, this guy has it all. Next up, Baker Mayfield, you know, right behind him. I think Mayfield's pro-ready. He's just so impressive. He was great down in Mobile. He does all the right things. He takes command of the field. He's going to thrive in a quick passing attack. Next up, Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward, Darius Geis, and Josh Josh Jackson. So we got two corners in here, two very different corners, one with length and great ball skills. I think Ward is a little smaller, but can come downhill as good as anyone in this class. And in terms of Geis, another guy that could change your rushing attack. I think he's fallen under the radar because he's battled injuries, but everyone's going to know that name next year because fantasy football rules the NFL, and this guy's going to be one of the better ones in the league. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's funny. Now we have a lot of similar players. So at 11, I have Connor Williams, tackle from Texas. 12, I have Josh Jackson from Iowa. 13, Baker Mayfield from OU. 14, Darius Geis. And 15, Calvin Ridley, my first receiver. Uh, and he's out of Alabama. Uh, I'll talk about Connor Williams. I, I'm going to be a homer here. I, I get tweets from people. I guess there are websites out there that say this guy's a third-round pick and he should play guard in the NFL. I disagree. I don't think he lacks length, like people say. I don't think he lacks strength. I, I think that if you watch the Maryland game, He wasn't good, and we had him on the podcast, and he knows he wasn't good. So it's just a matter of do you feel like he is what we saw in 2015 and 2016 and to end 2017, or is is he who we saw in that one game? For me, it's three years of film over one game. I I still think that he's a quality left tackle. I still think he should be a first-round pick. He's a good athlete. He had three different offensive coordinators in three years at Texas. He needs some consistency. He, He does still need to learn. I love the upside there, and, and I'm with you on guys, man, 100%. Even if there's been some talk lately that he might fall out of the first round, if that happens, it, it's going to be you know a Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara type deal where he's just going to set the league on fire as a non-first-round pick if he can get in the right situation. I completely agree, and that would be a lot of fun to watch because he's just an awesome dude and a hardworking dude. Next up, uh, I have at number 11, this is going to be as early as you'll see him, but Frank Ragno, the center from Arkansas, who got hurt this year. That's your dude. I think think this guy is the most impressive center prospect I've seen since I started scouting. He's just excellent at getting to the second level. He has great size, power, anchor. He does it all, and if he didn't get hurt, he'd be a lock for the first round, but I think... That kind of has him flying under the radar. Another guy after Ragnow that's flying under the radar, Mike Hughes, the corner from UCF, a superb athlete that's going to destroy the combine. And when all is said and done, I think he goes top 20. After him, Ronald Jones running back from USC, Deron Payne, interior D-line from Alabama, and Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from Alabama. All three players that I see as pro-ready guys, especially Ridley, who I think is going to come in and be a really good number two wide receiver somewhere. I think Dallas is actually the best fit for him. Yeah, Dallas at 19 makes a ton of sense for him. It absolutely does. So this guy's Mike Hughes is not on my list, but I want to talk about him because you brought him up there, and I do get asked often, why why don't you have a round one on him? Why isn't he higher? And you know, because, I mean, you you spend like every day with me uh, in person or not, and you always hate to say this guy has character problems, but that's what I've been told, and I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know. Uh, it's not to that time of year where you start trying to really dig in on these guys. That's more post-combine. But that's that's just what I've been told. And until I know what that means, I have an asterisk by his name. And, and he's not the only guy. I have an asterisk by Arden Key and, and others. 
you just I don't rank them until I know what what's going on there. So he is an interesting dude. One year at UCF and he dominated. Um, you know, he was a North Carolina kid who transferred to Garden City Community College, which is really close to me. He is fascinating because on film, like you just said, you watch him and you think this guy's a top 20 pick. And I've seen a lot of folks placing him there. I, I just think that for for my grade, I got to figure out what's going on off the field. So 16 to 20 for me, Derwin James, the safety from Florida State. That actually might be a little low. I think he's going to test well. He's going to interview well. He'll probably rise up the board. Then I have Ronald Jones running back from USC. I've loved this kid for two years, and I know it's crazy to have three running backs in the, the top 20, but I'm I'm doing it this year. It doesn't matter. Rashawn Evans, the linebacker from Alabama, 18, 19, Maurice Hurst from Michigan, and 20, Harold Landry from Boston College. I think Maurice Hurst is a really interesting guy because he's a bit undersized and he dropped out of the senior bowl. So we didn't get a chance to see him there, which I think would have been a perfect platform for him to show off his quickness and his strength. And he definitely could have made himself some money. Like we saw guys like the, the North Carolina state D tackles this week, BJ Hill and Justin Jones were amazing. They made themselves money. Hurst could have been in a similar situation, uh, but decided not to go down to mobile and, and take part. But I, I still think that, you know, you mentioned Dallas for Calvin Ridley. If he's off the board, I could see them go Maurice Hurst just to get a good interior defensive lineman, somebody that can make some plays. Yeah, I was super disappointed he didn't come down to Mobile because he is one of those guys that I think really could have separated himself from the pack down there. So whether it was injury or whatever the case was, that was a little bit of a letdown. All right, next up for me, Harold Landry, Will Hernandez, Cortland Sutton, Lamar Jackson, Rashawn Evans. So I think the surprise here, at least for you, would have to be, well, Hernandez has been a big riser. He's a guy that I saw as a top 50 player coming into Mobile, and I think he put himself into the first round, or at least the top 25 conversation. Now, when you play guard, that means you could slide into the second round because of positional value, but I think he's proven that he's a top 25 player in this class. Sutton is a guy that has all-world upside at wide receiver. I think how he runs will really dictate where he goes in this draft. And Lamar Jackson is the guy where I look at him and say, yes, there's risk here because you're worrying about him continuing to develop as a passer. But when you go year by year, he has done that. Now, should he be thrown into a situation where he has to play right away? I don't think so. I think many rookie quarterbacks shouldn't. But I like Lamar Jackson as a top 20 player in this class because I think he can attack the field vertically. I think he's a dynamic threat as a runner. I think if he goes to a team like New Orleans where he could sit for a year and learn in a very good offense – this is a guy that can come out and be a top three quarterback when all said and done from this class. So I, I looked at your list and you have Rosen Mayfield Jackson. You know, no Darnold in the top. Darnold's, three. Darnold's coming. No Josh Allen in the top. No three. Josh Allen in the top 25. Oh man. Yep. I, did Mello put you up to this so he doesn't have to get a Josh Allen tattoo? Is that <laughs> this, what this is a conspiracy <laughs> that I needed Mello to get out of his tattoo <laughs> bet. So I'm pushing the Allen stock down. If, if only it worked like that, right? Uh, he yeah. would be happy. Uh, He's for, wiring me money. Yeah, yeah, the the tattoo money. So uh, that's going to be fun, man. Uh, all right, 21 for me, Isaiah Oliver, the corner from Colorado, a, a dude that played so well all year long, kind of is getting lost in the shuffle here. Billy Price, the center from Ohio State. Mike McGlinchey at 23, the tackle from Notre Dame. Then I have Cortland Sutton from SMU at 24, and Malik Jefferson from Texas at 25. I don't think there are any real surprises here. I'm betting on the athleticism of Malik Jefferson. I'm betting on how well Mike McGlinchey has been coached at Notre Dame. For me, Billy Price is your Frank Ragno. He's one of the best center prospects that I've ever seen. And Cortland Sutton, we both have in this range. as a guy who is big, has dominated the 50-50 ball, uh, dropped out of the senior bowl. We do need to see how fast he is and, and to see how well he 
I wanted to see how well he competes against better competition. I thought we were going to have that chance in Mobile. We didn't get that chance, but I guess now we'll see at the at the Combine, at least just in terms of pure athleticism, what he brings to the table. But after like the Laquan Treadwells and, and guys like that, I'm a little afraid of people like Cortland Sutton. Yeah, Josh Doxson, and then you have to go way back and you say, well, then there's Mike Evans. So there's so many, you know. Yeah. Ways this can turn. I have heard he'll run between four five and four five five. So I think if he's in that range, he's fine. He'll go in the first round because he's so big, he's so athletic, he could jump through the roof. He, he's an interesting player because talk about upside, but we just don't. We're not fully sure what we're getting. All right, around this last out, twenty one Connor Williams. I really do like Connor Williams. I think that he's a tackle with a lot of upside, but also a lot of good film. Like you said, that's why I think people are forgetting with this guy. Twenty two Vita Vey. I, I, you look at the power of this dude in the middle. He's interesting because I think people are either all in on him or all out on him. And I think a lot of that has to do with appearance, body type. But when you watch the film in the trenches, this guy's a difference maker. 23, your guy, Billy Price, another great center prospect. I like the linemen in this class. A lot of them did make my top 25. 24, Sam Darnold. I think Darnold is far from a finished product. I think there's a lot of risk there. But at the end of the day, he has traits of a franchise quarterback like the three guys I mentioned before him with Josh. Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. So a very good quarterback class. 25, Sony Michelle. Once again, going back to what you said, running backs. There's a lot of them at the top of this class, but that's because they're all so damn good and impressive. And man, they can come in and be lead backs right away. You just don't get that every year. But this year, you have it with Barkley, Geis, and Michelle, and Ronald Jones all in the top 25 for me. You know what I love about this is that you are not afraid to have a different opinion from not even just from me, but from, you know, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and, and Mike Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah. Like you've, you've put yourself out there with this top 25 quite a bit. Man. It's a little unique. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, there's betting on development here. I think Darnold and Jackson, uh, they do need to be developed, but there's so much upside with both of them. And then I think I've learned so much over the years, Matt, where sometimes we overvalue just, we undervalue just good football players. My second overall player in this, and I think he was third or fourth overall for you, is a guard in Quentin Nelson, but he's a (laughs) great football player, a great football player. And that's the argument with the four running backs that I mentioned and with a lot of the corners. So you just can't undervalue guys that you know are going to be successful. I love it, man. I'm proud of you (laughs) as your your draft mentor. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Connor's going to be with Todd Gurley because I'm in Minnesota freezing my ass off. They're going to have some fun. I'm going to find some coffee, and then we will come back together and do some draft on draft in the show. Welcome back to Stick to Football, and very happy that Todd Gurley is joining us thanks to DraftKings this week. Todd, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good. So, Todd, you accomplished the impossible this year. You made the fantasy football fanatics finally happy and content for once. So what are you working on with DraftKings now? Um, well, you know, I won the awards for DraftKings MVP, best single game performance, most improved, and missing consistency. And DraftKings also putting on that first Super Bowl as a product called the Showdown. It's a cool game because, you know, during the season, you do usually every game. So this one just focuses on the Super Bowl. You get to pick six players each from each team, four offensive, two defensive. So but I think it'd be a cool little, cool little event to do, you know, during the Super Bowl when you're having a party. So 
That's a cool thing. That's awesome. So I got to put you on the spot. If you had to pick one player for your showdown that's not Tom Brady in this game, who are you taking? Um, I'm going with my I'm going with my boy Nelson Nelson Aguilar. I like it. So now, as for you and your season, obviously dominant at Georgia, lights out as a rookie. You know the sophomore hurdle came, but you had an MVP caliber year in year number three, what changed for you this year that really took it to the next level? We added some, you know, new pieces on the offense. Um, you know, Coach McVay came in and, you know, helped a lot. And, you know, but, you know, as far as me personally, um, you know, just kind of worked hard because, you know, just, just worked hard every day in the off season and just try to have a mindset to come in the next season to, to get better and just try to try to help my team win. What was the first thing that, if you can remember, that Sean McVay said to you? What was that moment that you remember that this guy was going to change the culture and change the offense with you, Jared Goff, and those pieces going forward? Um, yeah, I just remember, you know, just going into his office and he was just, you know, playing some of my film, you know, from my rookie year and just was like, you know, I just can't wait to get this back. And then, you know, once we were watching the Washington film at, at practice, I mean, and um, meetings, just seeing those guys make plays out there, me and my teammates start turning around to each other and just start shaking our head like, yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun year. You know, at that point you kinda you kinda knew what he was capable of. That's awesome. So I watched All or Nothing and I could almost feel the pain you expressed from losing because I felt like throughout your career you're used to dominating so much and just being the guy. This might sound weird, but did that weird did that one season of losing actually help you in the long run? Because I mean, you exploded this year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a um, a situation. You know, you just have to know how to handle. You know, you you never been in that situation, but it definitely um not saying like humbles you, but just puts you in the, the life of reality. Like, okay, this this is the NFL. It's, you're not going to win every year, so. It just kind of made me lock in a lot more and just kind of work harder and never be in that position again. So you've played with a lot of different quarterbacks now, even though you're only 23 years old. What's different about <laughs> What's different about Jared Goff that you know, or at least the jump you saw Jared Goff make this year that really took your guys' offense to the next level? Yeah, I mean, he definitely um, was the, the best. The best. The best part about that offense, man, just coming in and being able to just. You know, he just was there. He's there all day, every day. He's working hard. I know he did some, you know, some training with a, a lot of other quarterbacks in the offseason last year. So just for him to come in and do what he did after after his rookie year. And, you know, he went number one. So it's not like, yep. you know, the guy has the talent. You know, we just have to bring it out and just put it on the field. And this year he was able to do that. And he look at him, made, made his first Pro Bowl, got us to first playoff appearance in a long time. So definitely um, a big year for golf. So another quarterback that you did play with is Nick Foles, and he's about to start in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Do you guys ever still talk? Yeah, I, I still take Nick, man. Um, Nick, you know, he's a great guy, um, great person, great player. But, yeah, I definitely just still text him and just try to check up on him. Tell him good luck, congrats, and, you know, tell the family hello. So getting away from the field, what does Todd Gurley do to get away from football that we don't know about you? Man, really just kind of like to take trips, you know, with my boys and just, just chill, you know, just and relax for the most part, man. Most of the time I'm in L.A., man, so I don't really like to leave here.
Yeah, I don't either when I go out there, so <laughs> I don't blame <laughs> you. That's kind of awesome. Uh, now, I heard a rumor that, that you've been a Migos fan before it was cool to like Migos, and Culture 2 yeah. just came out. So I got to put you on the spot. Who's your favorite member of Migos and why? My favorite member? Yeah. I don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite. You're member. a diehard. You just like them all. Yeah. I, I don't like to, I don't like to like split them up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's like a big debate I, now, especially with all their solo projects. Yeah, exactly. And then everybody likes to make a big deal out of, out of nothing. But I, I like them all, man. I like them all. I like, you know, Quavo have his own style. Take off, offset. They all have their... They're the same, but it's different. It's, it's crazy. Do you have a favorite track yet off the album? Mm, oh, walk it, walk it, talk it. I can't that stop watching right now. I can't stop watching the stir fry music video. The stir fry, yeah, and they got yeah, the emoji. They got the there. emojis. Song, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, hilarious. It's, it's good. It's definitely good, man. They're doing, they're doing it, man. Yeah, they are. It's it's kind of awesome. We might have to, you know, speaking of Georgia, though, we might have to start calling Georgia running back university right now because it just seems like every every year they got the running back in the country. This year they had three, and two of them are going to be in the draft trying to follow in yeah. Todd Gurley's footsteps. What have you seen out of Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle? I know I'm not going to get you to pick between the two. <laughs> yeah, see, people try to get me to do that. Too. I know, and I, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. They're so different, too, which is kind of cool yeah. in their own way. Yeah. But, you know, what's it like? Just you've been around those guys a lot. Yeah, man. Um, obviously, you know, my last year, they that was their freshman year. So just to see those guys balling, um, they're like number two and number three in like Georgia history and Russians, which is crazy because they both played with each other. And they also had me there for a little bit. So it's just, just amazing to see those guys just do that thing and and go to a national championship. Obviously, I wanted those guys to win, but um, no, it's definitely exciting to see how far they came and, you know, they'll be in the NFL in the next couple of months. All right, so one thing we do every guest that we have on the show is run the gauntlet. We got five totally random questions we ask them, tally, okay. tally up the answers. Number one, and some guys don't have one here, but number one, what's your pregame meal? Do you have a go-to meal? I don't even eat it before. It That's what I thought. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I have like a bagel, a bagel, a bagel, blueberry okay. bagel with cream cheese. Nice. That's um, about it, though. What about postgame then? You got anything good after a win? <laughs> it depends. Um, if it's a win or a loss. That's true. If, if it's a loss, I feel depressed and I go to this place called Fishbone. And what do they um, what do you win? go to there? Oh man, I get the um the oyster shrimp and um catfish with with red beans and rice and uh potato salad. I love it. You don't hold back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And the answer can't be to be the super running back. You already got that. What would be your superpower be? I'll probably be flying to fly. Yeah, you said you like to travel. What What's the best place you feel like you've been to over the last couple of years? Yeah, just the point. Uh I mean, we went to London. London sort of That's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, Mexico. I like to travel in, in the States, though. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to start getting out, out of the country soon, though. Nice. Yeah, when you have a little more time. Um, yeah. Number three, what's one game that none of your friends can beat you at? A lot of the guys say NBA 2K, but it could be anything. Another sport, an outdoor game? I don't know, man. My, 
my friends are some gamers. They can beat me at mostly any of the games. My nephew beat me by about 40 points in 2K the other day. <laughs> That's because they got time to play all day, man. Man, you don't have that time. He's good. Um, yeah, I can't name a game. I think I think everybody can kind of beat me. Todd, for how for how great you are, you are a humble dude. I'll say that. We've had Tony Jefferson come on here and challenge the whole NFL to 2K. We've had Chris Harris on <laughs> here. Yeah, he wants everyone at the BR studio to come play 2K. So it's... I mean, I could be the person to be up here lying like like that, but as soon as somebody challenged me, I can't. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> Number four, stranded on a deserted island. Who are you taking with you? Someone that'll help you survive or just a dream girl? Who's it going to be? No, that girl's going to get on my nerves. I'm taking <laughs> somebody I can survive with. Um, That's great. One of your know, teammates? I'm probably, I'm probably, yeah, I'm going to probably, probably take one of my best friends. My best friend, Cole, from back home. I'm going to take one of my best friends. Nice. All right. Number five, last one of the gauntlet. This is new. We had to change it. Number five, what would your online dating profile say? What would be one sentence about Todd Gurley? What, if I was playing? If yeah. I had one? Yeah, if you had one. I mean, I played for the NFL, man. You know, I got <laughs> to put all that up there. <laughs> Two-time pro bowler. <laughs> running back. All I, I was putting all that up there. Oh, man. that's You got, you got, you got to let them know. <laughs> that's right. You don't need to say anything else. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's After sw- they see that, they're they going swipe right Whatever, like it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man i had fun todd thank you so much for joining us thanks to DraftKings. good luck the rest of the way and congrats on what was really a fantastic season man all right man thank you All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks again to DraftKings for hooking us up with Todd Gurley, one of my favorite running backs in the NFL, not just because he's making me look smart with how how good Jared Goff is now, uh, but also just the way he plays the game. And and thanks to Connor for handling that one one one-on-one. If you guys want more stuff like this, all you have to do, download the BR app, subscribe to Stick to Football, or subscribe on iTunes. Leave us those five-star reviews. Leave a question. We'll do our best to answer them when we see them there. Speaking of questions, my man, let's get into it. Draft on draft. Uh, and I'm going to throw the first one your way from our boy Wyatt West at Houdat West on Twitter. Would you agree the Saints have a variety of ways to attack the draft? If so, what are the positives of a receiver or quarterback as their first pick? I love this question because I touched on it a little earlier. I, I love the thought of them taking Lamar Jackson and kind of, you know, storing, keeping him on the bench for a year and letting him learn because this offense, he can thrive in this offense under this coaching staff. Now, if they do go wide receiver, it becomes interesting because that tells me you're, you're really trying to ride out this window with Drew Brees, which is fine. But Michael Thomas has been so good. I think you can go get a complimentary option in free agency or later on in the draft, not at the top of the draft. I like Rashawn Evans for them to play linebacker. I think they can upgrade at linebacker a little bit. So I really like him if he falls that far. I think that's the biggest question. This is a good one because, like you said, there's such a variety of ways for them to attack the draft. I don't even hate the idea of getting a shutdown corner across from Marshawn Lattimore. Similar uh, to how Rex Ryan with the Jets, when they were really good like seven years ago, had Rebus and Cromartie. You go get the guy that does the island with Lattimore. You go get him a lockdown option across. It's impossible to throw on them. So, yeah, I mean, totally. I think the Saints can. The Saints are in such a good spot is the perfect way to put it. They are in a great spot as long as they keep Drew Brees. And it, it sounds like that's going to happen. He's has said he wants to be back. They've said they want him back. They've 
they've fixed the offensive line through free agency trades in the draft. I'm with you. I could see, I think you can go best player available. I truly can. And it could be a receiver. It could be a pass rusher. I would love, I think that's a great spot for uh, Malik Jefferson. But one thing that we have to think about here at end of January, beginning of February, free agency hasn't happened yet. And Kenny Vaccaro might not be back. So you might be trying to draft uh, Derwin James or Ronnie Harrison Ronnie from Alabama Harrison, yeah. uh, to yep. fill that need. But just on paper, I think linebacker, quarterback of the future, uh, depth at receiver, and then, like you said, either a corner or a safety become pretty big needs. So we'll see what they do in free agency, how much money they have to spend because they got to they gotta lock up that quarterback. All right. This next question is definitely tailored for Matt from at Greaves. <laughs> What do I tell other 49er fans like you, Matt, and me why Quentin Nelson is a good fit for Kyle Shanahan's system? So I answered this on Twitter last night because I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was going to make it to the show. What I said was, if there's a scheme that Quentin Nelson doesn't fit in, that's a bad scheme. I don't know. Niner fans do this weird shit all the time where they're like, this guy doesn't fit Kyle Shanahan, which just tells me they haven't paid attention to Kyle Shanahan. He made RG3 fit in his offense. That's how good this guy is at fitting his scheme to his personnel. If if they like Quentin Nelson, if they draft him at nine or 10, wherever they're at after the coin flip, he's going to work. And he's athletic enough. He's big enough. I think he can work in a power scheme or a zone scheme. The Niners are a zone scheme. It's the same for Saquon Barkley. People say, eh, no, he doesn't fit the Niners offense. If that dude doesn't fit your offense, you need to change you got your the wrong offense, offense because yep. he can do everything. He can catch, he can run inside, he can run outside. And I, I, like you said, Quentin Nelson's in both of our top threes. We both think he's pretty damn flawless as a prospect. He fits. Don't worry, Greaves. If if he's the pick, he will fit. They'll make it work. I'm confident of that. He would dominate there. Oh, That'd be yeah. a lot of fun. They need it, too. They need interior O-line help. All right, this is a fun one. Oh, one of our best listeners, Anthony Mangaluza. Love this dude. What cities would you guys give XFL teams to if you had the choice? I love this question. Now, if the Raiders weren't moving to that's Vegas. It, that's the obvious see- one. The Vegas is like the obvious one. You need markets that you don't always need to do the layup and go biggest market. Like I, I you guys know I'm a New Yorker. And listen, I actually think you can make it work in New York because the Jets and Giants play in New Jersey. First off, the Bills are all the way up in <laughs> right. Buffalo, which is like another country from here. So what if you somehow did the XFL in like Brooklyn or Queens, Brooklyn but then one. the sta- the stadium becomes the problem there. So looking at other markets, it's funny because you look at, like, Buffalo has rallied so much around the Bills, it feels like the XFL would be super fun there. I'm trying to think of markets where I look at they like don't te- have football teams. Like the Texas markets, like yeah. San Antonio and Austin. Like, San Antonio is yep. always mentioned as they should have a football team and they don't. People, and I, I tweeted this, it was like, hey, if you guys want to hire me as GM, put a team in Austin, I'm going to sign Johnny Manziel and Vince Young, and we're going to sell oh, out good Lord. every game. And that's the way RG3. to do it. You almost have to make it regional. <laughs> yeah, RG3 is from down there. You know, you, you almost have to make it work like that and pull back in some of the college stars that didn't work. You know, if you put a team in Tuscaloosa and sign Trent Richardson, people are going to show oh, forget up. Get it. You know, it's 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 going to work. So I, I think that's the smart way to do it. Look at if they're going to run it in the spring, I, I think college towns would be a smart way to go. Um, what St. Louis, put a team back in St. Louis. You still have yep. the dome. It, the XFL doesn't need these, you know, billion dollar stadiums. You could play in the Edward Jones dome. It's not great, but you could do it. And then you're replacing a market where there's a fan base that wanted football. Same for San Diego, put a team in San Diego. Just if you want to middle finger, the NFL, just go to all these cities. They don't care about Orlando, San Antonio. Like that's, that's what I would here, do. So hopefully here's my Vince McMahon's listening and, and is willing to hire me now. 
My big one, uh, Tijuana, Mexico. <laughs> I mean, that we would gotta, be a fucking rip, wouldn't we it? We gotta find somewhere nicer, like we, like Cabo, because I want to go. But cover it's the these XFL. Games. I don't <laughs> want it to be nice. I want it in like Tijuana, El Paso. Um, you know, man, like, where are some? Or so, you know, we could even we'll get a team up in Canada. This could be a lot of fun. Man, I, we got to work for the XFL. We could have a lot of fun. Someone with took the at XFL draft scout handle before I like he, he no tweeted me. He's way. like, he's like, I'm just getting this before you can. <laughs> that is a good investment for free. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question from another good listener at Ant the Ori underscore the Oreo. How do you balance combine results and game tape? We get this question a lot. Yeah. Uh, run away with it, Mr. Miller. The way I do it, 90% game tape. And that's not like a scientific number, but that's what I try to remind myself is to not get too excited about the senior bowl or the combine because the film grade is what matters most. And I would say second to that is the off field grade. And then it's the senior bowl. You like to see small school guys, you know, step up. You like to see guys outside the scheme. And then the combine is probably last for me. And it's more just about comparative athleticism and understanding like, okay, guys are going to rise if they're great athletes like John Ross or guys are going to fall if they don't do exceptionally well. You know, that's just how it works. But for the way I stack players, I try to always do about 90% film, 10% everything else that, that becomes part of that system. But it's obviously different for every player. You know, if you have a guy that, you know, like Tyreek Hill, uh, who the off field is just so rough on that you kind of ignore the film and you ignore the he didn't get a combine everybody couldn't so but you ignore the pro day and because the you know you're you're kind of appalled by what's going on off the field. And Joe Mixon was a, a one I, I know Mello brought this up last week during one of our live shows. Thirty teams took that dude off the board. It only takes one to to draft you and love you. That's exactly it. It's um that's an interesting scenario to bring up. But when you go back to combine results, I'll tell you the big categories that affect my evaluations. I think how wide receivers and corners run is a big one for me. I think there is a threshold there. I, for instance, I really liked Jalen Tabor last year from Florida. I, I really did. I, did I thought too. he was a top two corner in the class. And when he ran that poorly, what was it like a four six three? Yeah, I and then he, he ran, ran worse at his pro day. And worse at his part, I think it was a four seven two. I didn't completely fall off from the player. I still thought he was a top five corner in the class, but it shows that he's limited. He he's scheme, you know, limited. And I think that it took away from the fact of what he can do. How much can you turn and run downfield? So things like that do matter. Three cone for pass rushers, super important. Three cone for running backs, super important. Uh, how quarterbacks interview, if you can get any of that info from around the league. that Those are the things that really matter from the combine. But like you said, tape is really like an 85, 90% of a lot of it. Um, I so got this next, next one. Yeah. This is yep. a fun one. Uh, from Patrick at P Johnson 021. Who's one guy you could see rise quickly close to the draft? Oh, man. Well, it seems like we've had a bunch of them and it's only it's January. Yeah. We're going into February. I mean, we saw the Davenport rise. Uh, we've seen so much, but really closely to the draft. That's always an interesting one. I, I think you always look for a quarterback and it's starting to feel like the Kyle Laletta hype train is heating up from Richmond. I think he had a pretty solid week at the senior bowl. Yeah, I he think did. he's a guy that was probably like in the top 150 before Mobile. And now is in the top 100. And I think after teams talk to him, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a top 75 lock. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go someone a little more well-known, Mike Gusecki, the Penn State tight end. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up the top tight end drafted because is he going to run well? Yeah, and he's going to jump well. And yep. it, it's just the total package. I, I think that it's going to be hard for people to overlook 
just how freakish he is. And like we were just talking about before, like this dude, I, I've heard numbers of what he jumped day one at the training facility. And there, I was asked not to share them, but I didn't believe them. So I was sent video and it was like, oh, okay. That's, and for a tight end, like vert matters. And it, he, his is going to be out of the gym. Good. Damn. Well, he couldn't he couldn't block anyone at the senior bowl, but when you could do doesn't those need kind of to, things, right? sometimes it doesn't matter. Just put him in the slot. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. He's just going to be a move tight end. Yeah. All right. This next one from uh, Damien at quicker than fast with Rosen <laughs> being almost everyone's QB one. I don't think that's true at all. I, either. I think people are kind of out on Rosen. I, I still love him. But with Rosen being almost everyone's QB one, shouldn't we be concerned with his lack of durability? Yes, that is my biggest concern. I think the concussions, he took a beating at UCLA. That team was not good. They did not do him any favors. I think um, it's very scary. It's definitely very scary. He will be my top quarterback with Baker Mayfield right behind him. But if I had to bet on reasons why he would fail, unfortunately, that's sometimes things we do discuss. Just, you know picking away at each other's brains, I, I think that would be it. I think it would be injuries. Yeah, that's my biggest concern with him, honestly. And that's my biggest concern, not team's biggest concern. I, I think no. there are, you know, I've, I've reported it. There are teams that don't like the kid. They just, they, they don't get a good vibe from him. I think that uh, that's going to be, everyone's going to have a different opinion there. My biggest concern is injuries on a small frame. I mean, he's been hurt every year. And like, it's it's been concussions, it's been shoulders, it's that's the stuff you worry about, especially on a small dude. You know, we talk about Lamar Jackson being small. Rosen's listed at 6'3", 210, and I know they're going to bulk him up. It always happens. He'll probably be 225 of the combine, but you definitely worry about a history injury. So that is a legitimate concern. And and I was telling someone yesterday, you know, with this, I was telling Adam Lefko, actually, our, our buddy from BR who hosts the Sims and Lefko show, that with these quarterbacks, there's a wart to all of them. With Rosen, it might be personality and injury. With Baker, it's size and personality. And with Josh Allen, it's completion percentage. And with Darnold, it's his delivery and lack of arm strength. And with Jackson, it's his frame and unconventional system that he, which I don't even think this year it was that unconventional, but that's that's what teams are saying. There's not one that you, you almost have to talk yourself into these guys. There's not one that just blows you away, which is why I have several of them tied because I'm I'm waiting to fall in love here. It's like speed dating, you know. I just I want somebody to blow me away, and so far no one has. So it's as much as we have talked for a year now, man, uh, almost a year of doing this podcast. We've talked about this quarterback class. We're still waiting for that guy to to emerge. So 100%. let's uh, go next one. We got two more draft on draft questions. This one from Coach Corey at Up Top Three Hundred Five. What's the best trade bait for Arizona to get to the fourth pick from Cleveland? Their 2019 oh, draft. Yeah, that's you're gonna have to give up a first. That's the only way to do it. I mean, just so they more, they pick from where do they pick again to four? Oh my god, you're giving up a you're giving up multiple first. That's like a Washington trade with the Rams when yeah. they went up to get RG three. You know when I when, mean, listen, I, like I that I really meant it. I wasn't yeah. joking. Your 2019 draft on top of obviously your first rounder this year. Yeah, that's bad. It's, yeah, you'd have I to mean, give up 15, and then, yeah, like you said, probably your whole draft next year. 15, I don't think it's 2019 worth it. I really first, don't. 2019 second, and third, and that's that might get it done. Here's what people keep – I want to actually go over something, and I don't mean to sound like a frustrated little whiny baby here. People do this game now where they go, well, that doesn't match the draft value chart. And <laughs> That's here's the most the problem, fluid shit in everyone. the world. Here's the problem. There's like 12 teams that need a quarterback of the future right now. Mm -hmm. Throw the draft chart, the value chart out the window this year because those teams coming up, 
or teams selling the picks, they have leverage to keep asking for more and more and more. And there's no draft value chart this year. The demand is so high for quarterback that the price you come up and get one is going to be astronomical. Yep. Now, I do want to alter this question for a quick second and, and toss it to Matt. Who do you think is the team outside of the top 15 likely to pull a Kansas City or a Houston and pony up a ton to come up? For me, it's Buffalo. Uh, it's Buffalo. But what well, is two your... first and then yeah. what, they, they two, two twos, two threes. I think they might have two thirds. They, they, they have yeah. the ammo. I mean, they. I, I believe that this was planned, and I, I've said before in the show, you can do some insider buzz intro or something if you want, but they love Sam Darnold, and I would not be surprised to see them move up to get him. Um, it just it makes too much sense with all the draft capital they have. I've also been told the Indies trying to get out of three, uh, that the Niners would, wherever they end up, nine or ten, if you know they would be a team that would move back this year, depending on how the board falls. But if you know, we could see four quarterbacks drafted in the top ten, realistically. I, I could also see if the Broncos or Jets, Broncos at five, Jets at six, get one of the two, get Kirk Cousins, they can move out as well. They could, absolutely. And those because they have seem needs. like the two most likely spots right now. Yeah, I would. that's who I would narrow it down to. All right, last question from Between the Pylons, at Between the Pylons. With the amount of possible free agent quarterbacks this offseason, does that affect the value of quarterbacks in the draft? Great lead teams in. like the Broncos and Browns. Uh, we kind of just answered that. There, there's a, yeah, we did. And there's a lot of high, there's a quantity of quarterbacks in free agency, but there doesn't mean there's quality. It's, you know what I mean? Like, there's not right. like, listen, teams are going to pay the price to get Darnold, to get Baker Mayfield, to get Josh Allen to get Josh Rosen. The free agent market outside of Kirk Cousins isn't going to change a lot. Alex Smith will be a bridge for two years. Yeah, he's not even a free agent. Yeah, I mean. He's not even a free agent. You got to, apparently the rumor going around is that the Chiefs want a second rounder and a late round pick for him. I think the top free agent, when it's all said and done, I mean, Cousins will be obviously, but yep. Breeze, Breeze is going to stay in New Orleans. Teddy's probably going to stay in Minnesota. So it's like, do you want a 30-year-old Case Keenum or a 30-year-old Sam Bradford? Or Blaine Gabbert. Or Ryan Tannehill has just been beat up. Yeah, and they would have to cut him, you know? So it's like That's he's right. not even technically He's actually free still agent. under contract. So it's, there is a It's not quantity, as good as people think. No, no, it's really not. Because it's Garoppolo good enough and, to, like, get, get you by for a year, but it's not, you're not finding your long-term answer. No, you're not building your team around this free agent class. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not. And it, it does mess up the value, because like you said, if Cousins goes to the Jets or Broncos... It, it at least allows movement and Garoppolo with the 49ers allows movement. But, you know, we do have teams that the Bucks at seven, the Bears at eight. They don't need quarterbacks. They could the Bears could definitely try to trade back and recoup some of the picks they lost in trading up to get Trubisky, which they didn't give up that much to go get him. If that works out, it's going to be great for them. So there are a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that could change. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Um, it sounds like. Maybe some breaking news that we are going to go to Indianapolis for at least a couple days and do some stick to football. We've got a couple breweries that are trying to host us. Where Mello's flying in, Connor's flying in. I'll be there for a week. And we're going to try to do something. So stay tuned to uh, Twitter and Instagram. We'll definitely be announcing it. And thanks again to everyone who came out last week. I, I told these guys Monday night, uh, what did I say, Connor? We're going to have four people show up. I think that was my number. 
was yeah. <laughs> four fans. And the first night, we I think we had like 25 to 30 is what they told me. So Oh, uh, it was impressive. Yeah. Everybody was awesome. Super cool crowd. Yep. I Just a great turnout and like some really passionate fans of not only the draft but of the show and that and that really matters to us yeah it absolutely does and and indy's gonna be a good time uh we we've made a lot of friends there over the years so i'm looking forward to getting out there having some fun seeing everybody again and continuing this draft process so stick around the friday show it'll be me Melo, and dan I'm, i'll be in minnesota they'll be in missouri we're still figuring out the the, the quirks of that Melo might be hosting which terrifies me but but we'll get a show to you guys friday morning uh thanks again to DraftKings. thanks to todd Gurley for his time and connor thanks for uh driving that interview man oh of course man we're gonna have a lot of fun we uh breaking news here josh jackson from iowa Ooh. who will be a top 15 pick will be joining us next week man you're killing it on the guests lately dude i'm just out here making calls closing deals just just <laughs> dominating yeah i'm gonna get you on the apprentice with uh, your deal closing ability Let's, so oh god <laughs> <laughs> but seriously next week will be fun with josh jackson we love those iowa boys uh so make sure you've downloaded make sure you've subscribed either in the br app or in itunes thanks for listening